All right, thank you so much. That is amazing. I was trying to figure out how in the world they would do the entire Old Testament in 20 minutes, and it's because they cheated. They, did, they, they stopped it at Kings. So if it's okay with you all, I'm going to stay down here. My name's Steve, and uh, I get the opportunity to share about 40 minutes of information in 20 minutes, is what I figured out as I was trying to pare it down. So I get to try and do what you all did. But I'm so honored that uh, Brady offered me the opportunity, and he said, you know, since the Mid-America group is coming in uh, to share this, this drama with us, uh, why don't you share one of your favorite Old Testament stories? So how many of you, it's kind of hard to pick one Old Testament story that's your favorite? Okay, it was a challenge for me uh, to try and figure out one, but it's interesting because there was one, I uh, got to read a book that somebody introduced to me a while back that talked about, if you remember, in, in, uh, as Action Pack, the team was going through and they did the wandering there, uh, about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness. And that's always been a story that kind of intrigued me. Um, and especially how Moses uh, had his ups and downs, and he was such an amazing leader, but Moses actually was, one of the things I think that made him such an amazing leader was because he was vulnerable, and because he, he cried out to God and let God know of his weaknesses. And you know, a lot of times people, when I talk to people about our uh, church here, calling community, and they ask me about it, one of the things that I share with them is that uh, one of the things I love about this church is our pastor is real. Do you, you, those of you who attend here, you know what I mean? It's just one of the things I love about Brady is he's real. He, he doesn't try to be perfect. He shares the ups and the downs. He's vulnerable. And when I think about Moses, that's something he did. Would you hand me my Bible there? Um, and so Exodus, if you, uh, in Exodus 3, just to give you a little bit of background of, um, since they did such a great job already doing it, but in Exodus 3, um, there's a little background to this wilderness wandering with uh, Moses. And, and in Exodus 3, and I, since some of you probably don't uh, bring the Old Testament necessarily with you, I thought I better put the, the verses on the screen here. It says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So thank you, Action Pact, for giving the, the background here so I didn't have to do that. Of As you know, uh, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, and so um, God called on, as they, as they demonstrated for you, somebody that was probably very unlikely. Moses, who was hiding because he had murdered someone in Egypt, so he had gone into the wilderness to hide for a number of years, and then, as you know the story of the burning, the burning bush, all of a sudden, uh, he comes across this burning bush, which is actually God talking to Moses, saying that, I want to lead you, uh, have you lead my people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And so that's where we're at. In verse 8, it says, so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Uh, one of the things I wanted to back up in verse 7 is it says, I have seen, make note of that, I have heard, and then I am concerned. I have seen, I have heard, I am concerned. That's what God said to Moses in the burning bush. That I, you know, as I grew up in church and heard the Sunday school story, no one ever pointed that out to me, that God, when he, you know, we always talked about this awesome miracle of this burning bush and that God chose Moses, but I never thought back, and if you take the time to read that, that what happened is God, being the loving God that he is, said, I have seen the troubles that my people are going through. I have heard their cries, and he says, and I am concerned about their suffering. And so when we back up to that, we can, we can apply that to our own lives. Because so many times, we in our lives today may be going through troubles, and we think that God 
doesn't hear us. We think that he doesn't see us, and we think that he's not concerned about us. And so what, one of the prayers I have this morning is that maybe if you're in a situation where you've been praying, you know, and speaking like Moses who was vulnerable and saying, God, are you hearing me? Do you see me? Are you concerned about me? That if you're in that situation, that hopefully you'll be able to this morning think and, re- and be reminded. What this is about this morning is to be reminded that God does see you, that God does hear you, and that God is concerned about you. So here's the thing. I got this picture, and it's probably a little bit hard to see here, um, but this is actually a sla- satellite map. Um, if it's a picture, a satellite picture, um, and then they, they put some uh, graphics on top of it. But one of the things that's a little bit hard, this is actually really green here. This is the area of the Nile. This is where Egypt was, where the Israelites were in slavery. And then this is the Exodus route, the assumed Exodus route. There's a number of uh, theories on the exact route. And then it's hard to see here, but if you can see this, this dry desert, all of a sudden starts getting a little bit green up here. That's the land of milk and honey. So they were in this incredibly green, fertile land in Egypt. And then God was going to save the Israelites, his people, out of the land of Egypt, which is fertile. I mean, look at this. This is the only area that has all this lush, fertile land for agriculture, and he calls them out of there. He's going to save them out of there, and where does he take them? Into this dry, barren land. And so here's the thing. Some of us today, you may be feeling like you've left the green, and that for whatever reason, at this point in your life, that God has put you in this dry and barren land. But here's the thing. While many times we think that nothing can grow out of a desert, right? It's dry, barren. What can grow out of a desert? Same thing if we apply that to our lives. When we're in that dry, barren land, what can grow when we're in that difficult time? I read a book called The Land Between, and the author's a pastor from Michigan, and he talks about the wilderness, and he talks about how those times where we sometimes are in this green, fertile land in our lives— And all of a sudden, something unexpected happens. Something undesirable happens. A transition that we didn't ask for. And now all of a sudden, we find ourselves in this dry, desert, barren land. And he says, that's called the land between. See, the the Israelites were stuck in the land between. That wilderness wandering that, that the team demonstrated there. They were stuck in that land between. They had experienced, even though it was in slavery, they had all the food and everything they wanted. And they had been promised the land of milk and honey. But now, for 40 years, they're wandering in the wilderness. And some of you, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but uh, sometimes we feel like we've been on a detour for so long that maybe we're not even on the same map anymore, right? In our lives. So just to share a couple things with you um, that we can take from this is the Israelites, as I mentioned, the, the land between the Sinai Desert, on the left was the lush and fertile land of Egypt. On the right is the lush and fertile land of Canaan. As I, as I mentioned, here's the thing about that dry, barren land, is that when we think that it's not an area where growth can happen, it's actually fertile ground for a couple things. Um, so we're going to let that land between serve as a metaphor this morning on the unexpected and undesirable transitions, the detours that we find ourselves in at various points in our lives. And this is where many of us find ourselves today, obviously. And, and here's the thing. So welcome to the land between. But let's, let's figure out some ways that we can make that land between valuable for us. There's a lot of different kinds of detours that we experience in life. Some people in this room are probably experiencing some of these detours. It might be a severe illness 
We've been praying for members of our, our church family. Maybe a detour of a divorce that you didn't want or a relationship that ended suddenly. Uh, a detour of financial struggles. Detour of depression. Uh, a detour of unemployment. Uh, a, de- a detour of a rebellious or a runaway child. And you've invested in that child for years and you've done everything to try to bring them up the right way. And all of a sudden there's this period of rebellion or a runaway and they kind of just seem to forget about all the things that you tried to invest in them those years as you were trying to love them and parent them. And I think of a story uh, to just share with you an individual friend of mine that he had a very successful contracting business. Things were going great. And all of a sudden he found out that some, he was having some problems with his finances. What happened is he had hired his son-in-law. He wanted to turn over his contracting business to his son-in-law. And so he put his son-in-law in charge of the crew. And things were going great. They had some great contracts going. And all of a sudden he started finding out the tools were missing started finding out that money was not, uh, that money was being missing and funds weren't working right uh, and that there were challenges there. He started getting calls of complaints from some of their customers. Starts finding out that there's a lot of challenges going on in his crew, so he suspects drugs. So he has all of his crew tested. This is a contractor, roofing contractor. He has all of his crew tested. Every single one of the crew members tests positive for drugs. This guy doesn't know what to do because that includes his son-in-law who is leading the crew who he was planning on taking over his business. So he does a little bit of investigating, finds out that his son-in-law was selling his equipment so that they could purchase drugs. They would leave the job site, go get high, then come back to the job site and, of course, not get things done correctly. When you're a roofing contractor, if you don't do things correctly, then what happens? The next time there's a rain, that roof's going to leak. So now this guy who owns this business, he has to go back to redo all of these roof jobs and causes financial troubles, and they start, they're this close to bankruptcy. I get a phone call from him. It's an individual I work with, um, and, and he's an individual that purchases products from the company I work with, and he and his wife, they're just distraught. They don't know what to do. They said, Steve, we're going to lose it all. We, we don't know. What, I mean, how, we were planning on our son-in-law taking over our business. What, how, what do we do now? And I said, don't, you, you can't give up. You got to stay strong during, during this time. We, we connected with some people, some financial counselors to help them get things put together. They kept wanting to quit. One day they called me and they said, Steve, we, we just can't do it anymore. We can't, there's just too much. We, our family's broken up because of the situation with our son-in-law. We, we just, we just, we're going to have to just sell what we have left. Uh, we don't know what we're going to do. And I said, will you do me this favor, please? Don't give up. Hold strong. Have faith just a little bit longer. We're going to help you get out of this. So we prayed for him. Interestingly, a year later, just one year later, they had the biggest year in their contracting career. They made more money than they've ever made before. Can't believe it. Their business is growing better than ever before. And here's a really neat thing. A couple of the crew members that tested positive for drugs, they actually invited them to live with them in their house. They said a couple rules if you're going to come live with us in our house, and that is one, you have to go with us to church. Number two, you have to be at the dinner table when dinner time is at 6.30, and you have to eat with us as a family. Two rules if you're going to live with us. They actually took those two young guys in their 20s through the detoxification process of all the horrible, the sickness and everything, trying to get off the drugs, took them through that. Here's the neat story. Not only did their business grow the next year bigger than they'd ever planned, but those two young guys got saved as a result of that process. To me, that showed that that barren land, yeah, that's, that's worth a hand clap to God. So that shows that that barren land 
is, is fertile ground for some things also. So here's, here's what I'm going to share with you. Some of us have been detoured so long, we wonder if we're still using the same map. I'm asking you this morning, have you ever found yourself stuck in the land between? I know I have. And if you, maybe, do you find yourself stuck in the land between right now? Well, here's a couple things, kind of warnings. You know, everything in the Bible, the Old Testament, as they demonstrated to us, there is, was given to us for warnings and examples. A couple warnings that um, the land between. All, first of all, all of us either were there at the land between sometime, we're there now, or one of these days we will be there. None of us are immune from the land between. So to be prepared for that, here's a couple things we have to know. Is the, the, the land between that Sinai desert, the wilderness uh, that they wandered in, is fertile ground for complaint. See, this is what caused the Israelites to have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years and that whole generation to pass away before they got to go in the land of Canaan that was promised to them. It says in Numbers 11, 4 through 6, the rabble with them, by the way, rabble is like mixed multitude because actually it wasn't just the Israelites. Uh, there were some Semites, there were actually some Egyptians that were with them as well, and they were murmuring and complaining and causing the Israelites, the people of Israel, to start complaining. So that's what rabble is. It's a mixed multitude that was part of the Israelite uh, group that was wandering they said with them the rabble with them began to crave other food and again the Israelites started wailing and said I should have had one of the drama people read this in a wailing voice for us if only we had meat to eat we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost also the cucumbers melons leeks onions and garlic that was all in that fertile land of Egypt but now we've lost our appetite we never see anything but this manna you know, in the Hebrew, the word manna actually means, what is it? <laughs> because when they woke up the first time that it showed up as dew on the ground, uh, and there's a lot of theories about exactly what it was, like flakes that maybe they turned into a porridge or whatever. But here's the thing. They didn't know what it was. They just knew God provided for them. They had no food in that desert. But they started waking up, and manna, as a team shared there, was every day. But here's the thing. Have you ever tried to eat something three times a day, every single day? over and over and over, and it gets old real quick, right? And so here's the thing that happened, though. The reason why God had to discipline the Israelites and that whole generation didn't get to go into the land that he had promised them is because the complaint wasn't, didn't, because, didn't just stay about the food and eating the same manna over and over. The complaints became something where they were actually complaining against their God. They were saying, you know what? We were actually better off before you took us out of there. We'd rather go back and be slaves to the Egyptians because at least we had all that wonderful food and we weren't eating this, whatever it is, three times a day, day after day after day. So it wasn't just that they were complaining about the food. They actually began rejecting God who had saved them out of slavery and saying, you know what? We were better off before you tried to bring us out of that fertile land. Take us back. Let us go back into the slavery. So the land between is fertile ground for complaint, but that's a dangerous place. And that's one of the things that if you're going through that right now, you have to make sure that you rein that in because here's the thing that you, that you have to know is you can't let those difficult times become a complaining time that causes you to actually start thinking that God's not on the throne anymore or that he doesn't care about you anymore. You can't let that happen. You can't let complaint take you there. And here's what happened. This is one of the things about Moses. I said he was vulnerable. He actually got to an emotional meltdown. In, in Numbers 11, uh, 11 through 15, this is Moses talking to the Lord. Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? 
where can I get meat for all these people and background on this? This is, they'd had the manna for literally months and months and they were saying, we need meat, we need meat. And they were wailing and crying to Moses saying, we, you, we can't just keep eating this manna forever. And again, the complaint became now where they were upset with God, not just complaining about the manna. And he says, where am I going to get meat for all these people? I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. And maybe some of you today, the burden is just too heavy for you. And I would encourage you not to complain, but to cry out to God and just share your heart with him. That's what he desires. That's what parents desire, right? Sometimes our children think, you know, they, they shouldn't share that with, but what our, as parents, we desire that our children, when they're going through tough times, that they share that with us, not keep it inside, but share the problems because as a parent, we want to help them, right? And so here's the thing. He says, if this... If this is how you're going to treat me, God, this is Moses again saying, put me to death right now. I call that an emotional meltdown. He is the leader of the Israelites. He is the chosen one. And he says, God, if you're going to put this heavy of a burden on me with 600,000 Israelites murmuring, wailing, crying, and they're blaming me, then just, just kill me right now, God, because I can't handle this burden. If I found favor in your eyes... He says, and th- he's saying, if I found favor in your eyes, just kill me right now. If you love me, in other words, this is what he's saying, take this burden off me, just kill me right now. And do not let me face my own ruin. And so that's why this emotional meltdown that, that Moses gets to, that's why we have to be so cautious not to com- get, let complaining go to this another level. Where we, the emotional meltdown, and it's when we get to that emotional meltdown, then you really start rejecting God and totally forgetting about the faith that grounds you and forgetting about the things that he's done in the past. So those are a couple things on the negative side that that desert ground, the land between is fertile ground for. But let's talk about, uh, oh, I didn't finish it. He said, he asked the Lord, and this leads into it, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on? Oh, I backed up on here. He says, tell the people, consecrate, this is God now talking to Moses, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. Okay, so right then, God saw, he heard, and he was concerned. And so God said, you know, they want meat. Take this burden away from me. And so right then, God heard, he saw, and he responded. And he said, tell the people yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, they will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will eat it. You will not eat it just one day or two days, or five, ten, or even twenty days, but for a whole month until it actually comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it because you've rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever, ever leave Egypt? So he obviously provided for them, but he's, he's also disciplining them because of that emotional breakdown. But here's the thing, is God provided provision. His provision was he provided an opportunity for, with, with the, the meat for these Israelites. So the land between is also fertile ground for trust. Numbers eleven twenty one through 24. But Moses said, I'm here among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I'll give them meat to eat for a whole month. This is his response as soon as God said, I'm going to give you meat. Would, you, would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered? So they had a lot of flocks with them, 600,000 Israelites. And he's saying, if we slaughtered all of the flocks that we have, all the goats, all the sheep, everything, we still wouldn't have enough food for 600,000 people to eat for a month. 
Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? And here's the Lord's answer, and remember this. The Lord said, is the, God said, is the Lord's arm too short? See, a lot of times we're complaining about the land between that we're in. We actually get to that point of our complaint and murmuring. We're actually questioning whether God's still in control and whether he still has the power to help us in, these, in those difficult times. The Lord said, is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. So Moses trusted him. When the Lord said, is my arm too short? Then Moses trusted him. And here's a couple of things about trust. Again, that the, the, the land between is fertile ground for trust. Trust and complaint can't coexist. So if you find yourself land between and you're complaining, you've got to get back to that place where, as they recommended to you, read 20 minutes a, di- a day in the Bible so that you can get back to that trust. Do you realize that when you go through such awful times, complaint just doesn't seem to flourish? Uh, through such, it actually seems to flourish. It makes itself at home in our lives, and no matter how hard we try to get rid of it, it always returns. That's what I find myself when I get in those times of complaint that it just kind of seems to keep coming back. The only way to clean complaint out of our lives is to trust, is to step back and trust God. The land between is also fertile ground not only for God's provision, he provided the meat for the Israelites, for trust, but it's also the fertile ground for transformational growth. In the land between, a remarkable phenomenon occurs. We come to possess a vital faith that allows us to be at our best when life is at its worst. We emerge with a faith worth having. I've met so many individuals who've gone through those land between times, and right after they go through the land between is when God just blesses them with something that's beyond their means, like my friend, that roofing contractor. A tough time, but they had to learn some trust. Did you know that the wandering Israelites, I've always wondered why... Did God cause the Israelites to wander in the Israelites for, in, in Israel for 40, in the wilderness, excuse me, for 40 years? I mean, it's a pretty straight route. If you do a direct route, I believe it's about 250 kilometers. So they, even 600,000 people, they could have probably made that walk in 30 to 60 days instead of 40 years. But here's the thing. If you remember, they were in Egypt. They were actually worshiping the idols of the Egyptians. They weren't God's promised people. And so he had to, he had to build them build their faith, build their trust into his people to be able to take over the land, the promised land. And so that's what that wilderness wandering is that time where they were growing in their faith and their trust so that they could fulfill their responsibility as God's people. So it says, we learned that the land between is about a journey of trust and something uh, flourishes there that could not be produced in any other soil. Transformational growth requires trial, struggle, pressure, those things that amount to the testing of our faith. And it reminds me in James, uh, James 1, I'll read it to you real quickly. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trial of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Neutrality is not an option. Beware that while the desert is the ideal climate for transformational growth, it's also the place where faith can shrivel and die. And that's the thing that we have to be prepared for. The climate and conditions of the land between have a way of either drawing us closer to God or actually away from him. But here's the thing, because he doesn't force our faith in him on us, we get to decide whether we're going to draw closer to him or farther away. Obviously, some of the Israelites decided to choose farther away rather than getting closer to him. And our choices of the heart will determine whether the land between will be faith-building 
or faith killing. And so that's what we have to be careful of when we get stuck in, those, in the land between. So a couple of things uh, about transformational growth. Don't let your detour, if you're in a detour right now in the land between, go wasted because it's a time of training. Um, I, I like sports movies. And uh, how many of you have ever seen Rocky? Okay, yeah, most of you. So if you've seen Rocky, here's the thing in Rocky, if you notice, is that hard training he goes through. And I, I don't think Rocky would have been the successful movie if it, if, uh, that it was if they hadn't taken that difficult time where he was training himself, right? He's in that meat locker punching the, the hanging meat there until his, his knuckles are bleeding. He's drinking the raw eggs and all of that. He goes through this tough time of training so that he can then have his victory. And it's the same thing with us as sometimes we go through training, but we don't realize that it's training. And for us to be able to have the things, to be able to accomplish things God wants us to do, sometimes we have to go through those difficult times of training. And uh, they talked about Joseph, and I'm running short on time, so I won't go through it all, but one of the things, one of my favorite stories of the Bible is Joseph's detour. I mean, you think about that his own brothers sold him into slavery, and then as they demonstrated for you, he gets uh, purchased by a wealthy leader, in Egypt. Um, He's in prison, uh, wrongfully put in prison. If there was anybody that had a reason to complain and murmur, I would say it was Joseph. But yet he kept his faith and his trust in God. And as a result of that, because he kept that faith and trust, God put him in the greatest position of leadership in the entire land of Egypt, which allowed him to save his people. And again, I want to just point out to you, it says in Genesis 39, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. It wasn't just the Lord was with him. It was so obvious that his master, who didn't believe in God, even saw that Joseph's Lord was with him, and that's what we have to become in those times of difficult land between, is where people will even see our faith and see that our Lord is with us, even though we're going through those difficult times. God's faithful on the detour and through the detour, but he did not remove Joseph from the detour, however. And one of my favorite quotes, which the drama team quoted there, is from Genesis 50, 20. Uh, you meant it. He's talking to his brothers. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Sometimes we go through these trials and we think that, you know, why has God forsaken us or what? But many times when we get on the other side of that land between, we realize really some of those things we went through the detour was really something for good that maybe helped someone else or ourselves as well. So do you see how faithfulness in God in difficult times springs from trust? In the season of the land between, three points. Bloom where you are currently planted because that's where you are, at least for the time being. You know, we've heard that quote, I've heard that all my life. Bloom where you're planted, bloom where you're planted. But so many times we're in that land between, it's hard to see that this is actually something where God's telling us, take a hold of this, make the best of this situation and bloom where we are. Uh, He says, and remember, the, the second one is, remember that God desires your trust more than anything else. Not just that we love him, but God desires our trust. He wants to know that we trust him, that we trust him as our loving, caring God. Just like as you parents in the room, you want your children to trust you. It's the same thing with our loving father. And then thirdly, remember that God cares deeply for you and loves to provide for you. The Israelites didn't feel like that, but he did. He provided for them. He provided the manna. He provided the meat for them. He took care of them even in that difficult land between time. And he does the same thing for us today. So the last thing I wanted to leave you with to remember is this. He sees. If you're going through a land between a difficult time right now, remember, he sees. He knows. And he is concerned for you. Let me pray as Brady comes back and the worship team. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, you are so awesome. And there are so many times in our lives where we, we just... 
don't know if you are seeing us. We don't know if you're hearing us. Sometimes, Father, we might even question if you're still concerned about us. But God, help us this morning to remember, if there, especially if there's someone here this morning that needed to hear those words, Father. Maybe they're stuck in the land between. And they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I just pray, Father, that this morning, your presence, your love, your compassion will fill them. And they will be reminded that, Father, you are still alive. You are still good. And you do see us. You do know what we're going through. And you are concerned because you are an almighty and loving God. And we love you and we trust you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.